0: everyone welcome back to another episode of how to live the podcast we are Jess and Steph Dadon. Happy Monday everybody. Happy Monday although it hasn't
1: been the happiest week for us because no. we were on the Gold Coast as planned.
0: we were living met- it up in Byron we got there Thursday night.
1: And then Panther, unfortunately, had to have an emergency operation and he just wasn't doing that well. So on Friday, we made the call to cut our Byron trip short and come back to Melbourne He's doing a little bit better. He's very excited to see his mother and his auntie, Jessica.
0: Mm, Oh, he's so sweet, Shane. Poor Peanut. So everyone send him lots of love. Hopefully, he's on his way to recovery. I think he
1: is, and we'll just see how he goes now.
0: So today on the podcast, we have the very amazing Melissa Singer.
1: She is the fashion editor of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, two amazing newspapers in Melbourne and Sydney.
0: And also a fantastic friend of ours who we have grown to know over the years of being in this crazy Aussie fashion industry.
1: And it's always such a delight when we get to see Mel out at an event for a couple of reasons. Firstly, she's just so fun and bubbly and we love hanging out with her, but also she's really refreshingly real as you are about to hear. She tells it like it is. She's super honest and loves sharing and writing about her own life in her stories, which I think is really unique and special. And I think she does it because she knows that it's relatable to other people.
0: 100%. On this episode, Mel takes us through some amazing tips on how to get PR for your brand or yourself. She also explains to us how you can get an internship with somebody like her, an amazing journalist. And she also dishes on this epic story. Of her interviewing Anna Wintour. So enjoy this one and stick around to the end of the episode. We'll take you through an audience member's question and also let you know who's going to be on next week. Enjoy.
2: I got up at six and I realized I should probably wash my hair for this. And so... Oh, thanks. We feel honored. For this? For I only wash my hair once a week.
0: Oh.
1: I also washed my hair for this.
0: I wash my hair about yeah. once a week, but I did not yeah. wash it for this.
2: I actually have to plan. Like I have to plan like what's my hair washing day. I used yeah. to be an every other dayer and now I've got it down to, I've trained my hair to get it down to once a week.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: I need dry, dry shampoo though every day.
2: Yeah, like, she's
0: my- crazy. Her hair gets super oily. But
1: it's about training your hair. It
2: totally is about
1: training your hair and mm. it's about getting over the hump.
2: Yeah. Yes. You've got to get over the hump and the hump can take like over a month.
0: Yeah. Just and then like once what, you're there. What does the hump look like, sticking it out with oily hair? Uh, uh, the hump looks like a lot of ponytails, a lot of head scarves. Yeah.
2: But yeah. oh my gosh, the hair clip thing is like the best thing that happened to I me. I saw you were you rocking it. We're
0: rocking about 10 hair clips at MBFWA.
2: I was. That was a complete accident. Someone asked me if I did my hair myself. I said, What do you mean? Run out of the hotel room, stick a flat <laughs> in, and just shove all the clips in and hope for the best. And voila, you end up in W Magazine.
1: It's the beauty of the trend, though. It's, it's just like the more the merrier. I saw you from
0: behind and I was like, Ooh, who did her hair? That looks great.
1: I saw you from behind and I thought, Ooh, who's that model? <laughs> Stop.
0: Flattering. Uh, Stop it. Okay, so, well, I feel like when people like hear that you're this amazing fashion editor, it's like so glam. Can you tell us like Monday morning, like you're waking up, other people are like going to some drab jobs. Like what does yours look like? What's a Monday for Mel Singer?
2: Um, It's probably a long tram ride, just like everybody else. (laughs) Are you listening to a podcast? Always, always. Podcasts are my there's no silence in my there's very little silence in my life at the moment it's even the walk from the train station to your studio which was like 10 minutes i was like oh what can i fit in in this 10 minutes I on the
0: on the toilet that's how addicted i like she got got extreme about it i got to a next level and now i've gone cold turkey i haven't listened to a podcast in like two weeks um because when you're listening on the toilet it might just be a bit much
2: yeah i just actually got my my dad bought me as my birthday and housewarming gift because i moved into a new apartment a couple of months ago and it's my fault it took me a long time to tell him what i what i um i wanted it's not that he's a bad dad <laughs> um i wanted a bluetooth speaker and i thought you know it's great i asked my dad for something that's tech it's easy for him to go in and shop and buy it's not like i was sending him to like you know a beauty store or something like that so i thought no this is a good dad present so i was very specific that i wanted a white bluetooth speaker and i voila i got a white bluetooth speaker the only thing is that i cart this thing around the house now like a child (laughs) (laughs) and i've become quite obsessed with it i've only had it for about three days but yeah last night i took it into the bathroom when i was having a bath Mm, this morning it was in the bathroom while i was doing my makeup uh it it went into my bedroom last night Uh, while i was watching the bowl type i was syncing it up with my ipad don't tell us
1: anything we're not up to date no i won't i won't
2: i actually fell asleep halfway through the latest episode. Oh that's not good is it? Oh not because of the TV show I was just dog tired. (laughs) It's been a big couple of weeks. Why what's been happening? Well there was fashion week and it was back back on the weekend and then straight into a really busy week of stories and I think it's all just caught up with me as well. The the past sort of you know few weeks
1: yeah Yeah, you you travel
0: like nuts like when we see you we're like oh like where are you off to next and you're like oh tomorrow I'm in Sydney then I'm in Brisbane I'm going to Paris next week actually and then I'm in New York for this thing that
2: can't be me I haven't been to Paris for work yet it must be the other I was London I think it was London. London yeah I've been overseas a few times this year already last year I counted I did 18 trips to Sydney oh my god plus you know to a New Yorks and some other and we were on travel. one of the New Yorks. You were on one of the New Yorks. I actually, um, that was such a such a thrill for me. Whenever I go somewhere and I have friends.
1: I'm always a very happy camper. So it was, was so fun and we, fun. we bumped into you on the plane on the way there and we were literally like fashion plane. Like we were seeing Pip Edwards from PN Nation and Emma it, Abrahams was there from Heart of Bone. Exactly. It was a
2: little crew.
1: Yeah. And then we ended up staying on the same street. Like that was so random. How random. But that's New York for you. New yeah. York is
2: full of coincidences. You always bump into someone from home you know or you always – there's always some
1: little coincidence about New York. It's got that – sort of magic about it and we thought we were busy at a fashion week because you know like we go to a lot of shows and we find it quite tiring and you know like we're always sick by the end of it but you like watching you work there was another level because you have to go to the shows all day and then you go home and you're in bed or whatever and you're still writing about everything you saw that day and yeah
0: you have finger food for meals I remember that's a sad story (laughs) yeah if I'm lucky but yeah, we did exactly. go to some. We went to a fun party
1: together. I remember we went to that. We went to Shopbop,
0: and they had such good finger food that guys, this finger food was out of control. It was like mac and cheese, like fried were, bites or something. And there
1: were DIY sundays. I
0: think <gasps> we had. I forgot about those. That was yeah. super fun. That was remember? probably the best party food I've ever had. Um, we wanted to ask you because there are, we always get like lots of people asking us um, to ask our guests, like, how do I work with you? How do I, like, you know, start my career going in that direction? Um, and we do know you had an intern on because we bumped into you guys. We at, partied she, a little bit she you. She got to go to the races with you, which is so cool. So, like, how did you find her? And how does one become an intern to a fashion editor? Well, she found me. Her name's Jasmine. And she
2: basically... First of all, she had the balls to contact me. Uh, Second of all, she had some runs on the board to back up what she was saying about herself. I'm all for passion and enthusiasm and a love of fashion. But she actually could show she'd had published work. Not all of it was fashion, but I could at least see she had the ability to write she could obviously meet a deadline. There were a few things that if I was going to take her on as an intern during the busiest and most stressful part of the year, I needed to know that I had somebody I could trust who I wanted to guide and help but not babysit. Mm. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. I don't want somebody who's ready made and doesn't need my assistance in any way because I feel that defeats the purpose Mm. I wanted someone who was hungry to learn and who was nothing was really beneath her to do and when I say that I don't mean getting coffees I don't think that's you know, a core part of being an intern, even though it might. It looks like it on the ball tie. Well, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things on the. I love that show, but there's a lot of things about that show that drive me nuts. Um, is
1: there a fashion closet in your office?
2: In my office? Yeah. No, but there is a beauty cupboard. Okay. Uh, so I do get sent a lot of uh, beauty and lifestyle samples. 95% of the stuff that I get sent actually goes into the cupboards and twice a year I hold a massive sale in the boardroom and all the money goes to a really great charity that helps um, women who've been victims of of abuse. Oh, that's that's amazing! Yeah, and I'm really proud to say that um, I've managed to turn a lot of those freebies into – more than $10,000 in donations on behalf of the aged staff. Oh, my goodness. I know my colleagues at the Sydney Morning Herald because I'm not based there. I can't be as involved in that. But they also hold similar sales and they also donate to, I think, their equivalent organization in New South Wales I think that's a way to to really use fashion and
1: use our industry for good that's so nice I think for us as well we have stopped saying yes to a lot of gifting and Mm. you know it was hard at the beginning because we were like oh we're being offered something for free but
2: I think saying no can be very powerful and I actually wrote a piece last year that has probably had a bigger impact than anything else I've written in fashion or anything because I also do write some relationship and sort of more personal pieces and, and have done so probably for the past year. And I wrote one about that when I started to say no, my entire world started to change. And I think women in particular are pretty bad at saying no. Oh, mm. I'm terrible at it. And it's so empowering. And I think it's the so more you empowering. can do it. Mm. I was listening to a podcast um, just yesterday. Ooh, what podcast? This morning. Um, I think it was a shameless conversation podcast Mm -hmm. okay we love the shameless girls and they were having a chat um with with the veronicas and i think i think that's where it came up the quote that i loved from that was when you say no to somebody else you say yes to yourself and that's great i mean it, it basically took me 700 words to say that one sentence yeah and i just really love that and i'm not I'm not into tattoos, that so much? But if I was, you know, that might be. Some it. version of that maybe would be a definitely that's definitely a mantra that I think a lot more of us can live by. Yeah, yeah. because there's
1: nothing worse than when someone asks you to do something and you say yes because you feel guilty and then you just feel terrible about it and that person didn't want you to feel terrible about it and it's just not good for anybody involved
0: well and i think like people don't realize when they're asking too much of you because they don't know what's on your plate or like what you're doing in that moment and i know for me like about three years ago i would say i just felt so compromised like i was being pulled in like every direction and i had to learn to say no and like it's funny because my boyfriend would still sit there if he was here and be like you do not say no what are you talking about but i swear i've come a long way i swear i have come a
2: long way i have too like when it comes to events we're talking about invites and events and fomo and jomo i used to say yes to a lot more when i was returning to this part of journalism because i needed to be seen i needed to become more known amongst the different PR agencies or the the influential people around town, so that I could get stories and make yeah. contacts and network. And I was going to a lot. I was probably going out, you know, maybe three four nights a week. And then I tried to reduce it. And then I got I got um, actually I got sick sort of before I moved back into this into this space. But my health has always been a bit of a of a tipping point for me. So mm-hmm. I can't go out too much because you know it can just it can lead to, um, you know, my health sort of flaring up a bit and then sort of putting myself out for maybe a week or yeah, or yeah. Okay. Exact, Stephanie is the same. Yeah, I'm the yeah. exact same.
1: I need nine hours of sleep every yeah, single so night. Yeah, so sleep's
2: really important. Yeah. Stress is a huge trigger for um, – I've got an autoimmune condition mm-hmm. that I keep really well managed and a lot of people wouldn't know other than I have some strange dietary requirements and so forth. Um, Everybody
1: does now anyway, so you can just know, blend right in. I know,
2: exactly. Um, but, yeah, so so on events, I used to say yes to a lot more and then I started to reduce it. And then um, I think I got to a point where I didn't really want to go out more than once or twice between Monday and Thursday. And now I'm sort of at the point where I look at every invite and I say to myself, am I going to get great content? And that can include a lead for a future story. Mm-hmm. I don't just mean Instagram stories, <laughs> or am I going to have a really good time? And if I can't say yes to one of those two things, I don't go. And I often talk about only going to the mission critical events. And you just have to get rid of your FOMO, and you just have to you just have to get over yourself sometimes. Yeah, and I, I think love that understand. idea
1: of like making a little checklist of like what's important to you, what do you want to get out of going somewhere or doing something, and if it's not ticking anything for you, and if it, especially if it's just for someone else. What are you doing that for? Yeah, I should, you know, the worst sentence?
2: I really should go. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that can be a birthday party. That can be, you know, all sorts of events. It doesn't just apply to work events, but I should go.
0: Well, recently I realized that I put myself out when I go to those things that I don't want to go to. And then the person who I'm going for in quotation marks, it doesn't make that much of a difference to their life, whether or not I'm there. It actually doesn't make a difference to their life at all. So now I've started to be like, well, they
1: won't even notice if I'm not there, so I'm just not going. Well, and when someone else turns around to you and says, oh, no, I can't come, you're like, oh, cool. And then you're like, oh, they just said, no, I didn't care at all. I always find also honesty is the best thing. Yeah, you know, 100%. I've been
2: going to a lot of things lately. I'm really sorry. I just need to spend some time with my family. Yeah. Nobody turns around and says they don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So we did want to chat to you about getting PR Um, So this is something um, that we definitely, through our brand, you know, we're always like looking, you know, if we're launching a a new shoe style, like if we're doing an event, we're always like looking to get PR. So we think that this is such a special time to have you sitting in front of us that we get to pick your brain. So if you are a brand, how do you get PR? Yeah, like, you know,
1: we've done a lot of like speaking to journalists over the years and... We've been given the advice that, you know, like we used to just like send out a little email to a couple of journalists and be like, hey, and then we got like, no, no, they are flooded with these kind of emails. You need to harass a little bit. You need a call. And then we're making these phone calls and it feels awkward. And And we're embarrassed. And we want to know how that feels from the other side to you, like being on the other side of that, getting all these emails and phone calls and things.
0: And how does someone cut through all that? How long is this podcast? Oh, we've got time. We've got about 25 minutes left. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, I've actually run masterclasses in this. Um, Look, I think there's so many things that you touched on there that sort of set off the little, you know, warning bells in my mind. Um, Not because you guys have done this by any stretch. Um, I think you touched on something that definitely the, the scattergun approach doesn't really work unless you're just telling everybody that something's happening, then if it's just like we want as many people as possible to turn up to this thing then fine do that because to sit there and call you know every single person it's not going to happen and also journalists want to feel that I mean we're human we want to feel a bit special Mm. um you know I think tailoring your approach to different people is really important I think one of them one of the things that irks me the most is the generic email never mind the hi mel and i can sort of you can i can spot a template a mile away totally
1: or if it says hi there they're out yeah hi there hi beauty that's another good one we sometimes get hi lovely and it's like singular and we can tell because there are two Mm. of us so yes yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of red flags i mean journalists
2: what are we known for we're known at having excellent bullshit detectors so i think yeah don't don't try to fool us because it'll just ...really put us offside. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, look, definitely tailoring an approach. So I think it's really important if you're a brand... ...or if you're an agency acting for a brand... ...to sit down and say, who's our target audience with this story... ...or with this piece of information? And before you go targeting a specific outlet... ...do your homework and make sure that... ...whatever you wrote was your target... ...matches the audience of that publication... Or can you tailor that message or reframe the message to match that audience? Mm. There is no point pitching something that is suited to video, visual, whatever, to a newspaper journalist or vice versa. You know, Mm. it's just
0: not going to work. Or like something fashion to a startup magazine. Correct.
2: And like, we are happy to work for a story. I am more than happy to work for a story, but I don't want to have to basically bend over backwards just to make a square peg fit in a round hole and when something's just too hard or too compromising that's the other big one that's too compromising big red flags you know and I've got a hundred stories I could do on any given day and it's about what rises to the top and what rises to the top is usually something that's exclusive or something that um I will have first or I'll have the best access or I can do the best job on, uh, which sometimes can also be my own original idea. It's something that I think our readers will go for, both online and in print potentially, because you can't look at them in isolation anymore. I'm being judged on my performance in both. So therefore the person pitching to me, I'm going to judge them on their performance to serve, you know, on their ability to serve both
1: my mastheads as well and I think that's on the brand a little bit if they really want to get your attention then if they go away beforehand and read what you've written about before and so they can kind of pitch it to you in a way that's going to make sense for you for your audience then they've done some of the work for you and they're presenting it to you in a way that's going to be more appealing to you yeah 100% the other thing that I found um actually um Janice Breen Burns who was did she used to be the fashion editor of the was it the age? Yeah, yeah. She was, I, I suppose you could call her uh, my predecessor. Okay, there we I go. love Jan. We love She's Jan. She's so
0: sweet. She's
1: amazing. I was going to say when Jan was a fashion editor of the age and I was running vintage clothing and an up-and-coming designer market, it was called the up-and-comers market. So I remember I used to write to Jan all the time because I really wanted her to do an article on us. And I remember like I didn't know anything. I just had a PR degree straight out of uni I was doing this. And so I would just like send her these – you know, not generic emails, but just, hi, Jan, are you interested in this? Never got a reply. And then one day I went to an event and she was speaking at it. Um, And then afterwards I wrote to her and this was genuine. And I said, oh, hi, Jan. I think she was getting an award. And I was like, hi, Jan, I saw you speaking at this thing the other day. Well done on that award. You spoke so incredibly. And then I wrote her an email and instantly I got a reply from her saying, Thank you so much. And like you said before, journalists are just
0: humans, you know. And, and yeah, that anyone would appreciate that.
1: Exactly. Like going out of your way to do research on the publication but also doing research on the person. If somebody's gone and they're following you and your Insta stories and, and they're kind of like building a relationship that way with you, I'm sure that goes a long way.
2: A hundred percent. And um, although I like while I do have some reservations about the infiltration of work into Instagram and mm-hmm. other social media, uh, I do find that, you know, it has put me in contact with a whole range of new people, um, especially young designers who may not have access to someone like me mm-hmm. through the front door, which I guess my front door is my email inbox. Um, so they've found other ways to connect with me, sometimes quite effectively, yeah. um, sometimes less effectively. But, yeah, definitely tailoring a message. Um, definitely also I think if you, if you read the person's work, Um, I guess working in a newspaper we are we're not huge fans of the straight branded kind of story but if somebody who works in PR can say hey I represent this client really we'd really love to work with you on something possibly could we look at doing a trends piece or could we look at doing um, you know some other kind of you know story that 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 points to a bigger picture.
0: Yeah, perhaps. that you just mention them in as well. but Yeah, it's a or there are story.
2: ways I can work with them. You know, one of one of the most pleasant PR experiences that I've had in this job happened a few years ago. I was approached by an agency here in Melbourne that wanted to get their client into uh, a story. And this was when I wasn't just doing straight fashion, I was also doing lifestyle. And rather than approach me to do a profile piece on their client who worked in the interior space... They came to me with this idea about what if we got together a group of, say, half a dozen people who the the very wealthy and connected people of Melbourne have in their black book or or on their on their speed dial when they want to have an event, when they want to get you know buff for for a special event or a trip, when they want to deck like out their article. house with flowers, and it was sort of like Melbourne's little black book. Yeah. And it just so happened that their client was one of those six people. And it actually turned out to be incredible because they helped me find the people. I vetted them all. So I felt that I still had creative control, you know, editorial control over that story. But they did a lot of the legwork for me. And they sort of, I suppose, in some way presented me with this present that I could just, I could unwrap and then I could you know, use it as I saw fit. So, you know, interview the people, write whatever I wanted. But they came to me with the concept and I suppose, a, 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 I guess, an idea or a brief for the for the creative, which was the photography. And we ended up doing this beautiful Vanity Fair style shot with everyone in black tie. And it was sort of, these were the people who are not used to being in black tie. They're usually the people who are in the kitchen yeah. or they're doing the flowers for the black tie event. But we thought we'd flip the script and put all of them in their best attire and it turned out great and I think it, it ran very prominently on Sunday in the Sunday Age and It was just a lot of fun. And to this day, I will always answer an email from anyone working at that agency because I will never, ever forget that experience.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's just like putting so much thought on it, uh, into it. And how can you be clever about it? Yeah,
1: but not everything requires that. I understand that. But I I think there is something in putting that much thought into it. Like rather than just like spreading your net as wide as possible and shooting it out at everything – putting time into just like certain things and fostering certain relationships with journalists that are so right for you and and putting time into stories like that you know we find that like anything that really pays off for us is something that we've really put time and research and effort into yeah
2: I agree and I think also I, I can't underestimate the value of actually face like having face time with people I know it's really really hard and it's really hard for me and I'm often the the culprit who says I'm sorry I just don't have time to meet up but if somebody lands in my inbox or if somebody contacts me and says you know can we just get together to talk about a few of our clients you know we're you know we're having um we're, we're you know we're, we're a little bit challenged in in getting them some press and just want to throw some ideas around and I'm also really happy to give people feedback often um PRs will come to me and say hey we're thinking of doing an event with this talent or we're thinking of doing this kind of event and obviously we're talking in confidentiality yeah. And I'll say, look, I honestly think that person's oversaturated or I honestly Ah. think that date's not going to work because there's this, this and this happening. Uh, Or I, I think maybe that's the wrong kind of event for that time of year or, you know, or wow, that sounds really interesting. But what if you did this, you know? And so I think if they're getting that 360 feedback from the people who they're leaning on to write about the event or cover the event or, you know, put it on social media then hopefully that helps them go back to their clients and say hey you know we've spoken to a couple of journalists about this and you know they think you know this or that positive or negative you know yeah that's Um, really cool but my number one thing with PR people more than anything else that I've said today is be honest because I can't tell you how many times people have tried to either bend the truth about either how exclusive a story is or what the story is you know you think a story's something you turn up and it's a real letdown or Mm. you think it's x and it turns out to be y or you know there's just there's just things going on that don't seem right yeah Um, and I just that that's the biggest turn off and if I if I detect or if I ultimately find out that someone's been dishonest with me and that can be when I if I make a call and say hey what's happening with this and they say oh no we, we're not ready to talk about that and then I see a story in another publication the next day oh no no then I don't really want to work with those people ever again yeah and there is a lot of autonomy and a lot of power in my job and I don't take it lightly and I definitely don't take it for granted, but. I have complete control over for example which brands and which which pieces sit in my shopping section every sunday there's some power in that Mm. and obviously the people i have good relationships with and the people who make my job easy and that can mean anything from sending me photos that are in the right format sending me photos that meet the brief not sending me 200 photos you know do some editing, make some decisions. Yeah, they're the people who I will work with again and again and again.
0: Um, you didn't touch on social media. You talked about people having Facetime with you. If it's not possible to get Facetime with a journalist, you know, what about interacting with them on like Instagram and Twitter? Like, do you, are you receptive to that? Like,
1: is it creepy or is it now just kind of the done thing?
0: Look, usually, I guess one of the
2: things is in this world you. Do perhaps more so than than in other rounds. I mean, I, I there are rounds in the in the newsroom I've never worked in, so I can't say for sure. But I feel like there can be a blurring of boundaries, and naturally, you know, when you when you work with people over a course of time, contacts can become friends. Friends can end up becoming contacts if they change jobs. So there is a degree of trying to keep a separation. I think um, one of the things I've really enforced is. I try not to allow anyone to pitch to me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. If somebody writes to me and says, hey, can I have your email address? I want to send you something. I'll give them my email address, say, hey, thanks for the message. Here's my email address. And I, you know, I'll I'll look for their email um, when I'm online or when I'm at work the next time. I'm really against anyone contacting me while I'm on holidays and I really try to respect other people's private time. You can see from Instagram that I'm on holidays. yeah. Uh, So sending me something that's um, work-related, you know, sliding into my DMs while I'm on holidays is both cheeky and disrespectful and I'm really trying to take a stand against that.
1: Um, Well, there you go. Yeah, that's about like you've got to do your research a little bit. Well, yeah, and
2: boundaries, people, boundaries. Uh, Look, if you can't get FaceTime with me because – I'm based in Melbourne or uh, things are just really hectic, then, you know, a phone call is great. At, at the right time and that's also doing your research you know everyone knows newspapers kind of go to print in the evening so maybe don't call a journalist at four thirty in the afternoon
1: oh i have been guilty of that
0: because <laughs> you didn't know though yeah no i had no idea you, you need don't journalists yeah. in the morning yeah
1: totally but that's where that's where research comes
2: into it you know magazines are monthly newspapers are daily you know mm-hmm. like yeah learn learn your audience I have to learn my audience Mm -hmm. learn your audience yeah
1: so when is the best time to call a journalist to get onto them I'm scared if I answer that I'm getting a lot of phone calls tomorrow (laughs) that's why I didn't say to get onto you I said a journalist let's say uh well we've been told before midday is the best time because then they're the furthest away from the deadline so it's like not such a stressful time Look, it's how long's a piece of string. Are mm. you calling with something that's short lead or are you calling
2: with something that's in 2 weeks time? I, you know, it's it's really hard to answer that. Yeah. I I usually think around the middle of the day is pretty safe because often in the morning if you've you know, you might be sort of working out what's the breaking news from overnight from overseas, what do I need to get onto, what's the priority for the day, you might have a meeting sort of you know around the middle of the day things are kind of like okay things are moving kind of nicely and then you get to sort of the end towards the end of the day and it's like ah you know I've I've got to file this story for tomorrow's paper and make sure that the photos have been taken and put the photos on the story and make sure everything's right and you know answer those 400 emails that I haven't answered today.
0: So you were lucky enough to interview Anna Wintour earlier this year. Tennis, it was at the tennis, wasn't it? It was at the tennis, that's right, because she spoke at the tennis. Um, So can you dish a little, like, tell us what is she like? Is she like Miranda from Devil Wears Prada? No,
2: I can understand why Um, she has a certain image. Uh, Look, this all happened quite surprisingly. I mean, I had been lobbying Tennis Australia for a long time to get an interview and I never thought I'd get it, but at least when my boss turned around to me or would turn around to me and say, either why did so-and-so get an interview and you didn't? Or why didn't we get an interview? I could at least say I tried and I tried and I tried and I had all the emails to prove it. Um, about five o'clock on the day before the interview, which was I think a few days before she was gonna speak or two days before she was gonna speak, I got a phone call at five o'clock in the afternoon from the head of comms at Tennis Australia. And she's not somebody who I know particularly well, but I suppose someone who, you know, felt she could have a bit of fun with me. And I answered the phone and she said to me, what are you wearing tomorrow? And I said, come again. And she said, it's Prue. Her name's Prue Ryan. What are you wearing tomorrow? I said, I don't know. She said, well, you might want to rethink it. And it took me about, you know, when your brain is sort of a little bit behind your ears and it took me about four seconds and I worked out what she meant and I actually squealed. (laughs) And I don't fangirl a lot in this job. I've had a few moments where I have really, um, I don't like the phrase pinch myself, but I've had a, a few moments where I've thought, wow, I, yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, I'm fortunate. Yeah, I'm privileged but gee, I worked really hard to get here. Mm. So I rocked up to the interview. I agonized over what to wear. And my friend Rochelle, who's also a writer, she is often my go-to person for advice when I have to go to a pressure cooker situation from a fashion point of view. She's also incredibly encouraging and she'll always make me feel like I can do this, uh, even That's when I'm great. freaking out. Um, yeah, she actually helped me get, get my first job. So she's somebody who's sort of been influential in my career for a long time, and, although now we're more friends than, than work uh, contacts. But um, so she gave me some great advice on what to wear and I picked out my outfit and went along and had to wait in a bit of a holding area for Anna. And then um, the journalist from the Herald Sun, Kim Wilson, she went in first and I wasn't sure if that was a, a good thing or a bad thing for, for me going second. But anyway, I, mm-hmm. you know, didn't have, you know, it was, I just had to, Had to roll with it. So I went in after Kim, and funnily enough, Kim had left her bag on the floor. I don't know if that was just because she was so excited or, you know, or it, was it was all, it was, was all purpose. Yeah. Like the way you leave something at like a boy's yeah. house when you like them just to be like, Oh, sorry. Yeah, Anna. Maybe. Anyway, back. it actually turned out great for both of us that she did. And the reason is because at the end of the interviews, there was an excuse for Kim to come back into the room and also for, um, Luke Dennehy, who actually used to work at, at the Herald Sun, but has been working with Tennis Australia to come in and say, Oh, before you go, Anna, would you mind, um, Uh, doing some photographs with the journalists. And so um, Kim and I each got to have our photo taken with Anna. And um, to this day, that's still my most liked Instagram post. (laughs) And uh, not that we're not that, we're not, right. that we're not that we're counting is. likes. No, it, Soon it will no. be hidden no. anyway, no, so not, it doesn't matter. Not counting likes, but um, even so, it's a, it's a it's a great souvenir and something to, to tell my kids about. And I think also when you work in this world, there's a lot about it that people who aren't in the world, like we were just talking about, can't really relate to. Mm-hmm. But she's definitely somebody who Everybody people knows. people know. And people say, oh, like even if they say, oh, that's the Devil Wears Prada lady. Well, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I got my, I think I was promised five to ten minutes and I got twelve. So I thought Amazing. doing well. Um I did a lot of things for that interview that I don't normally do. I first of all, I studied for hours the night before. I watched everything that I could. And Anna Winter does not give a lot of interviews. So there wasn't a lot to go by. Um there were, you know, some pieces. There was a great thing she did with Grace Coddington that was about six months old or four months old at the time. So that was great to have and i went in and i had my questions written out in longhand which i just don't ever do but i thought i'm i have one chance to get this right mm. i cannot waste even a second and i remember about going into the to the room or waiting in the hallway and all i could think was to myself was just shut up ask the questions let her talk and do not ramble. Don't say a word that you don't have to. Because I thought time is so critical that I can't afford to waste any of it on my own garbage. So I I, I did that, and I um I put the questions in the order that I thought was best. She. Um, I know I know the question that you're probably wanting to ask and everybody has asked me yes she took off her glasses she's (laughs) always got those sunnies on always got the sunnies on and I have to say when she took them off at first it was actually a little bit disarming Mm. because you never know normally whether she's looking the person in the eye or you know it was at first I had to sort of took me a few seconds just to adjust and Mm. I thought okay, my, my mind has registered this and now I just have to get straight into it because I knew someone out there had a watch going. Yeah, uh, And so, look, I was really happy with, with how it went. Um, the great thing that I've got that I'll never ever share with anybody is I've got a recording of the full interview on my phone.
0: Oh my God, and amazing. And I think,
2: you know, it's great that I get to meet these people and I have my photograph with them and I get to write a story about them. But to me, the most precious thing that I've got is the stuff that never gets written and not because it's off the record or anything like that and obviously you know you have to you have to abide by all of those things but it's because um there's always more said than you can fit into a good story when someone's a really good subject it's what you're leaving out that is the biggest challenge not what you're putting into the story and there was a bit of that with her but she was great because she was she was professional, she was warm. I think she appreciated the research that I did. And I think the difference between interviewing her and, say, interviewing another type of celebrity or anybody else I meet in my day-to-day is they're not necessarily judging me as a fellow journalist. And that's probably what was the most intimidating part about mm. going into that interview. Not her fame, not her notoriety, not her reputation, but what will she think of me as another female journalist and to me that was both the scariest thing but also the greatest opportunity to make myself
1: feel that I deserve to be here that's so cool really cool what a moment to end on Love that, Mel. Seriously, honestly, could sit here with you for hours and hours, but I do have to get to a Pilates session. Very important. <laughs> Self care, right? Self care, and saying no to something else. Exactly. Which in this case is me. I know, which I really don't want to because honestly, could keep talking and talking and talking. But we always do like to end off our interviews with some quick fire questions. So we'll throw them at you.
0: What celebrity would you most want to interview?
1: Lady Gaga. Cool.
0: Should be amazing. I love her.
1: What is your favorite show on Netflix?
2: On Netflix. Oh my gosh, I get so confused between oh, the two. Or Stan. Or Stan. Yeah.
1: Or Hey You, any of them,
2: really. Oh my gosh. Um I've been lately my favourites have been Bowl type and Billions.
0: Oh, mm. I've got to get back into Billions. Um, what fashion brand do you think people most commonly say wrong? Hermes. Yeah. Hermes? Hermes? That really say? Hermes. Yes. Oh, and yeah.
1: it's also
2: my wet people Moet.
1: our, our mum speaks Moet, flu- it is hey because everyone says Moi
0: like they're saying it so well and yeah. it's no. our mum speaks fluent french and one time she said hermes to me and i was like what did you just say and she was like i don't know people make fun of me when i say it right yeah. <laughs> so you can't win oh, don't look,
1: dumb yourself down for other people
0: it's so
2: hard knowing which have the silent ones and which ones don't like you know it's you know it's vetement
1: but it's Hermes yeah it's, it's hard to keep track it's really hard um the last one this is a random question if you were moving overseas what three items would you take with you non-negotiable
2: wow is my mum an item definitely she can be <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah although she's she's always there on, on my phone I would definitely take a phone so I could stay in touch with everybody back home I would take a real camera because i've recently actually since fashion week in new york i took a real camera and the quality of the photos that i took yeah, was yeah remember you had the camera right it also made me feel a bit more professional <laughs> and also i think the value of having a real camera when you're travelling or when you're really wanting to be in the moment somewhere as opposed to having your phone yes it's it's being able to create memories without Having the distraction of a That's phone. That's so
0: true. Like you're not connected, yeah. but you can still capture. Mm,
2: yeah. I mean, I'm probably wasting an
1: item by saying
2: that. But no,
0: I feel like. Okay, I feel like your mum, your
1: phone, and your camera. I'll give you that. And a really great pair of sneakers. Mm, oh yeah. yeah, that's good. Good one. That's
0: important. Okay, thank you. Mel, this has been amazing. Thank you so, so much for sharing good. these tips. I'm so happy we finally got to sit down. Because okay. we are IRL friends.
1: We are. We are. Yeah, so. And if people want to follow more of you, how can they do it? Yeah, you can follow me at Instagram at Mellysinger. And don't DM her when she's on holidays, please.
2: No. And also, I love people um, watching my spare room reviews. On, I
0: love spare room reviews. <laughs> on
2: Insta stories. And um, yeah, that's that's where I have a
0: little bit of fun and get really... She's good on Insta stories, really people. Awesome. Go right follow Great on her. Insta stories. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We hope you really enjoyed getting to hear Mel's insights. Wow, that Anna Wintour story. I mean,
0: I just want to meet Anna Wintour so badly. So good. She is incredible. We actually went to a talk with her as well while she was here in Melbourne, and she was phenomenal. And seemed
1: surprisingly lovely, I've got to say.
0: 100%.
1: So we thought we might get some questions from this episode on how it is exactly that we know Mel, we're friends with Mel, and how does somebody else kind of um, get in with a journalist? And really for us, we've just been to a lot of events over the last kind of seven or so years while we've been doing how to live. We've been doing a lot of networking and we ended up at a lot of the same events as Mel and it just kind of happened organically. So um, you've heard us talk about before how we don't love to network, But it's definitely worth your while because getting out there and going to the right events for your industry definitely leads to some awesome connections.
0: Totally. And I think it's about being authentic and genuine, you know, and taking a genuine interest in somebody's life is how you're going to get that real connection with them. And it's not going to be superficial. Today's question comes from Bronwyn on Facebook. She has asked, in your interview with Claire Press, you have some great emerging designer recommendations. Do you have any others?
1: Oh, Bronwyn, where do I even begin? I have so many others, but I'll keep it to three right now. So actually the other day we were at a trade show next to Gypsy Jewelry. It's A jewelry label by our friend Tiff, and we are just completely loving her jewels. We've been rocking them ourselves, so that's number one. Avenue, the label, do these awesome caps you've probably seen us rocking before. Really obsessed Mm, with them. They're
0: even on Motor Operandi now.
1: They are. I picked up on that too. And thirdly, Jess got me these. Awesome pair of earrings for my birthday. So I have to give them a little shout out. Sandra Alexandra is the label. Definitely go check her out on Instagram. She's got a super small following at the moment, but I reckon she's going to be massive. Totally.
0: We also have a super exciting announcement coming later this week for Tubes. So we'll be teasing some things on stories over the week. So make sure you have a look and we'll be announcing on Friday.
1: So keep your eyes peeled. If you haven't already, head to tubes.com. Make sure Sure you sign up to our mailing list so you get to be the first to know. So if you did like this episode, please share it, send it to your friends. Post a photo on Insta of you listening and leave us a review. We just love, love, love to hear your feedback. It warms our heart. And to the person who left a review saying that we say like too much, we sincerely apologize.
0: You are so accurate. <laughs> uh, so next week on the podcast, we have the incredible Lizzie Abeg. So she is the co-founder of Spell and the Gypsy Collective, which is the most incredible, beautiful label. They have clothes, jewelry, everything based in Byron Bay.
1: And we'd never met Lizzie before, but instantly we sat down with her and we just had this amazing connection. And she actually wrote to us on Insta afterwards to say she felt it too. And she reckons it's because sisters always get along with other sisters.
2: When I started working with Spell, it wasn't the fashion that I got so psyched on. It was the entrepreneurial journey. That's what, for me, just tapped into something else. I didn't know what really an entrepreneur was. I thought it was like a businessman or something, but it's like all of a sudden this desire to sell and market and tell story. That was all the part that just went, rah,
0: this is amazing. So that'll be coming next Monday. And we hope you all have a
1: really great week. Please keep in your thoughts. And hopefully next Monday we'll be giving you an update that he is completely back to normal. Have a great week, everyone, and squeeze your puppies tight.